podcast i am your host oj along with my co-hosts archie hey what's up y'all it's archia and we have another episode for you guys we have another guest but before we start with the guest what is i want to ask my co-host what is the typical immigrants filipino immigrant story when they arrive to north america well, <clears throat> from what I know, a lot of them really just start off as, um, yeah, overseas Filipino workers or OFWs. Sometimes they may have already had family here, but if they're immigrating for the first time, it's usually because of a job opportunity, right? Um, for us, we're no, we know and we're aware in Canada, there's lots of people who start out as caregivers or nannies or nurses. And then there's some who are able to get into programs that really just hire for labor. So that's kind of the standard, I would say, typical (laughs) immigrant story that you hear of. And would you say the ultimate goal of a Filipino immigrant families is to have their family join them again, right? To sponsor everyone. Yes, exactly. That is the ultimate dream. It's not even an American dream. It's the ultimate dream um a lot of times and i think there's a high majority of like the females that immigrate you know over to canada or the u.s um working as nurses or caregivers or nannies and um they just want to be with their kids they just want to be with their families and so they work really hard until they achieve uh, permanent residence or permanent citizen status um, for us here in canada And then really they start working towards petitioning the rest of their family. And I I understand it's also very difficult because throughout the years, the process or the requirements have changed so many times, right? So for some people, they may have been able to bring their family over within six to eight months. And then for some that I had gotten to know, you know, they had been working as caregivers in Canada for about seven to eight years that they're waiting for their families to come. So it's really um, it's really sad because, you know, they're working out here to support their family, to give them a great future. But also they're separated for many years. So um, but yeah, that's really kind of what I'm aware of is the usual. I have an uh, immigration background, uh, academic background. And from what I know in the Canadian system is that when a new immigrant arrives to Canada, they need to reside at least three years of the first five years that they've been living in Canada. Now, like you said, a lot of the Filipino workers are caretakers. They work for employers. They work as nannies. And some of them, they follow the family wherever they go. Most of them are business people, right? And I can say this for our grandmother, because we're cousins on your dad's side and my mother's side. Our grandmother, our Lola, didn't get citizenship until 10 years after, because after every, during every winter, she would follow her employer to Miami. So that would take, that would always skim off the the residency requirements, right? And we're, I'm thankful that 
our grandmother was able to bring our parents to Canada, Montreal specifically. And without them, we wouldn't be as privileged and thankful to be living in a Western country. Yes, definitely. Um, Like what OJ mentioned, you know, being a caretaker, that means also being a live-in caretaker and having to stay and follow your employer wherever they go. Um, So if they want a vacation in Miami, unfortunately, you're, you're, you know, as their employee, you have to follow them there. And that's really affected her um, length of applying for permanent residency, for sure. Um, Yeah, that's um, one of the most greatest things that we could really thank and have gratitude for uh, when it comes to our families for have to have put in the sacrifice and have worked really hard to bring the rest of our parents here that way we could have you know the opportunities that we do now I can talk a little bit about my mom's side um, for my mom specifically of her immigrant story um, as many of us know <laughs> our moms also started out this way but uh, for my mom um, she was supported and um, helped by her her uncle to be able to study here in Canada and then she landed in Montreal and then um, she worked um, for a little bit and then also fell in love and then she got to meet my dad who is OG's uncle and um, they decided to raise a family and then move over to Vancouver so um, that actually is a connection with our upcoming guest because she was actually she started her immigrant story by setting out to study here in Canada but we'll let her explain a little bit more about that but yeah you know just taking it back to the immigrant story Oji are you aware of any other uh, challenges that one may face when it comes to going abroad or you know other than being separated from family like from what I know um, if you have been keeping up with the news there's been many cases not only just here in Canada but also in different parts of the world like in Hong Kong but even here in Canada where a lot of Filipinos have set out to immigrate and work abroad and then unfortunately they end up with really unsavory employers right who really take away their rights or abuse um, their means of being an employer Um, I know for us here in Vancouver there was a story of somebody who had their um, Philippine passport taken away. They were supposed to stay close and barely sleep. They weren't allowed any vacation. So it's been, um, it's not, uh, despite immigrating or working abroad being the ultimate dream for some Filipinos, uh, for some, they really had some really tough experiences um, encountering you know, what it means to live here once they got paired up with an employer. So, you know, it's not exactly the greatest experience or the greatest memory that some will encounter in the hopes to stay in a developed nation. Yeah, well, let's like separate the two, like when there's a difference between coming here to be to study and coming Mm -hmm. to work, right? So Mm -hmm. what you're referring to is when you work, yeah, it's true about the mistreatment and there's employers that take advantage of the employers and you know the other side students come here to enrich themselves uh, for academic reasons and eventually the goal sometimes is to just go back to the philippines with their knowledge or stay here as a permanent resident but referring back to my work 
Yeah, you're right. There is a lot of mistreatment of Filipino care workers around the world, most specifically in the Middle East, mm-hmm. Dubai, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Bahrain. Those countries, they really take advantage of our kababayans, if you will. Mm-hmm. And coming to the U.S., Canada, or any Western country is really the cream of the crop of going abroad for OFWs. You made it. Yeah, you made it. And especially now there are new rules to that the Canadian government has legislated to give uh, temporary foreign workers, like Filipino immigrants, rights. So like you said, there was instances where the employer took their passport away. You're not allowed to do that. You go to mm-hmm. jail. You need to have reasonable working hours. You need to have a reasonable living standard. And there's always a hotline or like some sort of appeal that you can go to in the Service Canada or it's called like Employment, Social and Development Canada website that you can do to protect Filipino workers. Now, I know our guest is none of that is kind of kind of getting dark or whatever. No, I say it's getting real. Like it, it's, it's real. you guys who have immigrated here or grew up here, you may not have known about this. And this is why we're sharing it with you. Right. We want to be able to share some real truths that have happened. So it's not dark. It's it's a reality. And BS sharing this type of context with you, it's really just hopefully um, giving you some perspective and opening your eyes that it has not, you know, it has not been easy for many. And it also has not been easy maybe for your parents, right? Before you got here, before any of us was born, me or Chi and OJ, it was, it was a difficult time, right? And that, that might still be the same today. Mm-hmm. And with our guest specifically, like, I know we have a whole bunch of stories that we've heard that it's not successful, but in Rachel's standpoint, it worked for her. And in our interview with her, we'll listen and learn on how she's gone to Canada and what we can do and help with others who want to come over to a different country. Why don't you take it away? Archie. Yes, definitely. So our next guest today is Rachel Dansel. Um, She had moved to Canada as a student and she is actually going to share about the process that it takes to be able to immigrate to Canada. Now, Rachel is a a YouTuber with a great following with over 15,000 followers on TikTok, uh, thousands of followers on YouTube and also on Instagram, where she is really a subject matter expert is sharing her experience about the immigration process and moving to Canada. So she goes over kind of the document process. She goes over kind of all of the exams that you need to take, as well as the interviews. Plus, she also shares her experience about what it's like once you get here. <laughs> you know, like it's it's like, okay, so now I've gone through the process. I've done all my paperwork, got my passport, jumped on the plane, and I got here. Now what? So it's another huge undertaking to go through um, transitioning into a new environment, transitioning into a new life. Um, yeah, and transitioning into a new country. So without further ado, with great honor, we would love to share with you our special guest, Rachel Dansel. 
Hi guys, my name is Rachel. I am 26 years old. I'm originally from Manila, Philippines. And in 2017, I made the big jump and packed all my bags and went to Canada for pursuing higher education. And like three months later, uh, three years later after, um, I'm here and waiting for my PR status here in Canada. Uh, when did you arrive in Canada? Was it like what season? Was it summer? Was it winter? Oh, it was fall. Yeah, it was fall. It was a bit of a shock to me because it was like I come from a tropical country. I don't know the cold. The coldest for me there was like 20 degrees probably. <laughs> Moving to Canada, to Vancouver. Yeah, the, the cold struck me and I, w- I didn't even know the, the concept of layering properly. Yeah. And then I just kind of like, oh, no, (laughs) now I have to like cover up and bundle up. Yeah. So, you know, take us through the whole uh, journey, the whole story behind kind of leading up to immigrating to Canada. So first things first, I have to commend you. Like what an incredible journey to take, to be so brave, to be so adventurous, to be so determined to come here solo from Manila fresh up, you know, the Philippines and settle here in Vancouver, you know, that must have been such a huge life change and definitely kind of one of those, you know, once in a lifetime type of experience. So yeah, let's, you know, share with our listeners a little bit of the beginning of the story. And um, yeah, when did you start to get the idea of moving to Canada or kind of started thinking about um, immigrating or going abroad for school for, for a new life? When did the idea of moving to Canada come to me? So I say that it was towards the tail end of my university days. It struck me that my student life will soon be over. And I still had doubts on what I really wanted to do after graduation. You know, I kind of had like that mid, (laughs) that quarter life crisis, (laughs) I guess, of like what the next chapter of my life would be like. And, you know, having spent most of my life in Manila, I was craving for something new or craving for change. I guess like I also looked at my dad and what he's accomplished to give um, the best for our family. Uh, He went abroad and he spent most of his life providing for us from afar. And I guess I got the idea from my mom too, where she would always say that we have a good life because my dad pursued work abroad. And in a way, I wanted to follow in his footsteps, but without any drastic adjustments to my life. Taking all of that into consideration, um, Canada had everything that I was looking for. So the language wasn't a problem because I was well-versed in English. It was also a practical choice considering that I had relatives there that can offer their support when I get uh, to Canada. And more importantly, the quality of life was great. Like I felt safe. I, I feel like, I mean, just imagining it, I guess, I guess back then I feel safe living in a beautiful country where people are welcoming of others, especially those with different cultural backgrounds. And so that kind of like jump started the, uh, or motivated me to like start my study permit application. So, oh yeah. So before you actually got here and you went through the whole process, had you come to visit Canada before? Like, had you come to yeah, uh, not just Vancouver, just 
Canada in general? Have you come for vacation or? No, like the, wow. yeah, I know. Like it was like a big jump. Cause I like North America seemed so distant to me then. Like I had, I think my, my, my I visited the U S probably like 10 years before mm-hmm. deciding the study permit application. And I kind of just thought that they were kind of the same, <laughs> like that kind of lifestyle, like the North American lifestyle would be the same. So I was pretty excited. And I guess from movies and like what I watched, like, okay, maybe this is the type of vibe that I would get if I were to go to Canada. And so it was different and different to me was good enough. So yeah, that's what I had no idea of what Canada would be like. Wow. Um, I guess my relatives would send photos, um, their life in Canada to the Philippines. And then I can't kind of get an idea like, oh, there's snow. Oh, look, there's red leaves in the background. And it just yeah, like I, I was thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> or, oh, my God, there's a squirrel. That, that kind of already excited me. <laughs> Did you say that you had like a type of wanderlust or you were kind of just like just admiring like the whole environment and the ambiance of what it would be like in Canada? And that's kind of what really got you excited? Yeah, there was a bit of wanderlust, but um, I don't know, like when you asked me that question, I would actually remember the time that I was waiting to submit my my application to the visa center. And you know that they have those like TVs where they kind of like m- like a montage of all the the nice places per province. Yeah. And it showed BC and then it showed photos of Vancouver. And then I'm like, oh man, is that even like can I even get there? To me it seemed like a dream. But yeah. like I really wanted to go. So with that said, that like first there's the vision. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes the dream. So now tell us about the work. <laughs> so, you know, the, yeah, take us through like going through the paperwork, like the qualifications. Like, I'm sure you're doing this while you were still in school, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, if you could go back, uh, you know, I'm kind of testing your memory a little bit, but if you could go back in kind of the organizational way that you <laughs> went about going through the process of pursuing this dream, you know, can you share about that? I felt like, um, so yeah, when I started it, of course, like with the excitement came in the worries and doubts. I'm like, oh man, I'm just, you know, I haven't even finished university when I actually planned on beginning this whole application. So that alone was my first concern. Like, oh man, I had to graduate first and, and I had to pass all of my subjects and engineering was very difficult. And I thought like, oh, Will I like I have to do it in order for me to, you know, jump ship. And I guess that's also most of um, other people's concerns. Like, do they, they question if their qualifications are enough or if it's too much or like if they're, oh, I may be too young or too old to really create an application. But I don't know. Like, I thought that at that time I didn't have much to lose. I was about to graduate university, uh, begin the unemployment life and so I'm like oh might as well like if I'm if I were to if anything bad were to happen at least like there's still a a starting point where I can pick myself up and try again to begin I guess yeah there was a lot to do and that that was like the hardest part the researching part that took, I guess, like 50% of my time um, throughout the whole process. Like 50% was dedicated to research. And 
from my research, I guess the first step that really jump-started my application was taking the IELTS exam. And could you describe what the IELTS exam is for listeners who are not familiar? Uh, So IELTS exam is basically an English proficiency exam. So there are two parts to that exam. There's the written and the, the written part of the exam and the interview. So basically, I had to prove my proficiency in English in the four categories, which is listening, reading, writing, and speaking. Mm-hmm. It was fairly challenging because at that time, there were about like 300 test takers in one hotel like yeah it was there was like a big venue and all just rows and columns of chairs and tables lined up for because this is like for those wanting to immigrate to New Zealand Australia Canada right so they, they all converged in that one venue but yeah uh I went through that there's like I think it it lasted for like the exams took place in two days. So the first one was like the interview. Oh, sorry. It, the first one was the written exam. Yeah. So I had to do the listening, the reading, and the uh, writing portion. And then the week after, that's when the interview happened. And yeah, it was it was quite challenging. I didn't... Did you practice like the interview or like were there any questions, like practice questions? Like what, like what's the interview process like? <laughs> The interview process was, um, well, I, like, it's more of like an introduction, right? So you casually go in the room and then they ask you, like, what's your name? Where, you're f- where are you from? And a bit of your, ba- like, they will give you time to explain your background. So I kind of, like, what we did in, in at the start of this podcast, like, I'm Rachel, 26, or Filipino. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, um, <laughs> but um at the end, like the, the the tone just like went all serious. And then it was an academic test, right? So for people wanting to study in Canada, um, they should know that there are two types of IELTS exams. The first one is an academic and the second one is like a general test. So academic is for like study permit application if you're if you're wanting to uh, study in Canada and the general test is more for immigration okay the the one that I did was academic test at the time okay. so the I, I remember her asking me that question still because I was like shocked at the question she asked me like the correlation between climate change and advancement in technology she That's wanted so deep <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, wow. I thought that this would be like, describe your ideal, <laughs> your ideal vacation or something, something along those lines. But it was very, um, yeah, I was like, I was quite surprised. It took me, I was like, could you, give, could you repeat the question? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was a nerve wracking experience, but there are a lot of like online, like practice materials online. Okay. Uh, had I known then, I think I would have done better. But um, I'm also thankful that I did learn organically because our schools also teaches in English. We present in English. And so it wasn't really that difficult for me to do the test. It was challenging, but not too challenging. Yeah. So after the IELTS exam, like, you know, once that was out of the way, kind of what was the next step you had to take? I guess the next step was applying to my chosen school and program, 
most of the schools or the programs that I would look at prior to getting my IELTS required an IELTS exam. So I thought like, okay, well, the critical, the, the first thing that I have to hit is the IELTS exam. And then next was more of like narrowing down to the program that I preferred and the school that I wanted to choose, which led me to apply at BCIT. Yeah, BCIT. I'm hyping up because I, I am a fellow BCIT alum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a really great school. So yeah, it's British Columbia Institute of Technology, the Burnaby campus. And I took their communication design essentials program. So yeah, it's weird because the program I chose was far from what I finished for undergrad. Like I took up uh, a bachelor's degree in industrial engineering. Wow. I, I ended up, you know, jumping ship to communication design. Mm-hmm. But um, not only is she a very intelligent and beautiful fella, she's very creative. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've always had an interest for graphic design, and I thought that learning it abroad would be a great experience. I mean, I tried to look for this type of program in the Philippines, but it was mostly like, it's always like a four-year program, and I kind of wanted to expedite the process of learning at least the surface level concept of gra- graphic design. And BCIT had that um, program offered. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there were three important documents that I had to give for admission to the program. And uh, take note, it's also, it varies depending on the school and depending on the program. But this was what was asked for me. So one was my official transcript. Uh, the second was one was my IELTS exam. And the third one was a design portfolio. So that was something I kind of struggled with because I was like, design portfolio? But I finished engineering. I don't have like any kind of like portfolio. Yeah. So I just, I just like stitched together some of the photos I would take from my travels, made it like um, into a themed um, book and then sent that to them. BCIT got back to me after a couple of weeks for the interview. And yeah, I had an interview with the program head. And then basically he asked me my motivations in taking the program. And so I just explained accordingly, after which that's when I I uh, was officially accepted into the program. I got my letter of acceptance. And this was all within a month. I got the interview in the same month and I got accepted uh, at the end of the month. So it all happened really fast. Wow. So from like from when you uh, started your document up until, you know, the uh, letter of acceptance, so that whole, um, I guess the time that progressed was a month. Yes. Wow. That surprised me because actually when I started my YouTube channel, I was I was retracing my steps and I wanted to like give a guide to viewers on like the timeline. Right. And then I was looking at all the dates of when I received of when I uploaded my documents to BC uh, to the BCIT student portal to the time that I received an email for my scheduled interview with the program head to the date that I got the letter of acceptance. They were all like May, May, to, uh, May 2017. And I'm like, wow, like that happened all within a month. Like it also surprised me because it, it felt like like time elapsed. It felt like months. What happened after the letter of acceptance? So now that really made it real, 
you know, did you have this conversation with your parents? Like what? And then afterwards, how did it jumpstart kind of the next process, you know, to officially like put in the the documents to apply to move to Canada? Yeah, it was so interesting because we were at a we were at a family vacation in Vietnam and I was like in the, in a boat, <laughs> like trying to keep creep over, uh, creep on someone's Wi-Fi. And then I got the letter of acceptance. Mm-hmm. I was telling my parents like, Oh my God, I, I got in. <laughs> and they're like, no, like really? Did you actually? And I'm like, yeah, I think so. Because I got like a conditional letter of acceptance. Like my parents were very supportive of me, but they wanted me to work on it um, on my own to kind of show dedication because it was also like for them to uh, test if like if I can make it to that obstacle of going through it alone I guess that's also like a, a taste of what to expect my life would be in Canada because mm-hmm. most of it I will be doing alone but um, yeah uh, after the whole letter of acceptance the next thing was making sure that all my documents were lined up you know Everything was valid. Everything was up to date. Um, right when we got back from our family vacation, I had I renewed my passport. And then um, I also uh, updated my driver's license because it was about to expire too. And then I made sure I had the copies of all my IDs uh, with me and also bring like original copies with me. Like, for example, my driver's license, my passport, of course, and... <laughs> my birth certificate. I even got like an LTO certification, which is kind of like a red seal, I think, indicating that I have like driving experience in the Philippines. Yeah. I, I, I got it because someone just told me to get it, but I didn't know that when you have that, you can actually um, skip steps in the like driving lessons here in Canada. Cause there's like a uh, learners phase, then I think novice, and then class five. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, I was able to skip the from L. I can jump right to class five. So I, I had that in order. Um, aside from that, um, I got my recent bank statements from the last six months. You know, all my bank certificates. Uh, my mom and I went to the flight center to book uh, a, a flight to Vancouver in advance just because um, it was quite a gamble too because I was telling her like, what if my study permit isn't approved, man? Like, that's gonna... <laughs> She's like, it's okay. Like we can, we can, we can just use, yeah, for something else. And I'm like, okay, you're right. But I do hope that it gets approved. So we booked it in advance. I also applied for a police certificate just to prepare, like usually IRCC or Immigrations Canada asks for this document uh, after submitting your study permit application. That like mm-hmm. it's like a follow up document, but I didn't want to wait until they asked for it. I I wanted to have it prepared already, so I booked uh, an appointment with the NBI clearance in advance to get my police certificate. And like I guess for the listeners out there, a police certificate is just to prove that you do not have any criminal record so that you don't pose as a risk to Canada. So yeah, that there's that. Yeah. And then once I had all of this and all, filled out all the application forms, I think the application forms are um, like, I, I filled out like two, three application forms. They're pretty simple, but you have to be very 
meticulous and, and transparent when answering the form because any mistake can cause a misrepresentation and uh, that in turn can actually prevent or like uh, affect your immigration applications your future immigration applications with IRCC because like if you lie about your application or if you withheld relevant information about yourself you can be banned from Canada for five years or you will simply be refused Mm -hmm. and yeah like it's a red flag it's basically flagged on your um on your uh immigration history Mm -hmm. so you really have to get it right from the start, that was a major pressure that I had to face since I did all of it myself. And at the end of that, like Immigrations Canada got back to me and they requested like a medical exam. Uh, I had that done. That's kind of like a positive um, sign that it's on its way. That's what I read from the forums, I guess. And yeah, in September 2017, I received a study permit application approval so yeah from from may to september amazing oh my goodness that must have been like such an exciting like moment i bet it was still so um nerve-wracking but having to like still keep on pushing like from one process to the other one application after the other and just being as thorough as you can and then once you got that uh work permit it's like wow like this is it yeah i know it was it's like i was so nervous too because like i got the study permit uh my passport with the student visa like a week before my flight so as I was like panicking I'm like oh my god like will it ever arrive like I need to pack my bags and go or like it it was a very like nerve-wracking moment I was so I was so uh, antsy the whole time and then I I don't know like I like when I received the news that it got approved and it's like in really small letters that it will say like your application has been approved it's like all that that small font just to tell you like all that all that you've been through <laughs> just to see the the proof like huh like I went through all of that mess I went through all of that traffic and like waiting that tells me I was approved so I was like holy wow so much I did so much for this and but I'm happy like something like that was I was so grateful I, yeah, yeah, for sure. So, you know, obviously you were incredible in just staying or organized and getting everything um, put together and prepared. And up until that very moment that, you know, passport's ready, all the papers are ready, everything is approved. Were there any setbacks or challenges you experienced kind of, you know, going through that whole process? Oh, <laughs> Like as you were asking me that question, it's like, oh, all the flashback of um, it's like, yeah, um, I guess like I did. Of course, there will be challenges, especially if you're undertaking such a huge responsibility of studying in another country. Um, there were problems or challenges in my exams and like the finances, the waiting times, and of course, like the mental health. And I'll expound on it on each one. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the exams, like, uh, again, like, I was still uh, finishing my undergrad. So there was a lot of pressure to complete my requirements so that I can graduate and then study again yeah. <laughs> in another country. Um, the IELTS exam, too, I guess, uh, was also pretty uh, challenging since 
yeah, the, the whole experience of being surrounded by 300 test takers. They're not, I'm not saying that they were like my competition, but like you can tell that everyone. It's overwhelming. Knows. Like the feeling of so many people. Exactly. Because like, it, like, again, like it's not like a competition at all, but it seemed, it felt like there was like, you know, uh, it, it, you, like you were comparing yourself in a way. Like I tried to avoid that, but in a way I felt that I was like, oh man, everyone wants to get to the to to immigrate to this country so what makes me worthy right to mm-hmm. to to be here so that was like one of the things that i um that i found challenging in a way i felt competitive to outdo myself that's what i was trying to say um in terms of finances um money was also a concern all these costs added up like study permit application was 150 Canadian dollars. The medical exam was 250 Canadian dollars. And then, <laughs> and then out of nowhere, like all my tuition fees as an international student in Canada was at like 14,000 Canadian dollars. Like that 14,000, uh, that one year program in Canada was like my five year <laughs> program in the Philippines. Wow, that it's it's like it's like my parent my parents paid twice for me to take like ten years for an undergrad program. So of course it's it's also not as simple as uh, you know packing my bags and just going to Canada, right? Like there was a lot of planning, and there was a lot of calculation involved, and we had to like reach out to our relatives here, of course, to help. Uh, like shoulder some of the costs when I arrived just because, and they were more than willing to help. Um, And they were more uh, like, they were very supportive, especially when they heard that I got my visa approved. And yeah, like uh, they were like, Oh yeah. If you live in Vancouver, it's hard to find rent or rent is is like really expensive because you're living in one of the most expensive countries in all of Canada. So uh, they saved me that cost. Even the food that they have, like of course, like um, beggars can't choose. Like I, I like, I, and I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty um, like I I can eat anything, and so just that help alone saved me a lot on my grocery bills. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I I only had to worry about the little expenses there, like getting my my phone bill, my transportation expense of commuting in Canada. So very small compared to, so yeah, I needed all the support that I could get. And yeah, I'm very grateful that I had my my family in the Philippines and my family in Canada to support me in all my endeavors. Um, waiting times. Waiting times are also... <laughs> a pain like requesting especially documents in the philippines like it took so long Filipino time. <laughs> no, like, like um i would wait for hours just for a piece of paper like i like i waited six hours for this like for a paper that like just tells me that i am who i am <laughs> So it's like, okay. And then I would drive to all these places and I'm waiting in traffic as well. Like the traffic in the Philippines is like otherworldly. Like <laughs> really tested my patience and like I'm in the car and I'm like driving or waiting in traffic. And I'm like, this is fine. 
you know, <laughs> this is all, yeah, we're going to get there. We're going to get to Canada. Don't worry. Just a couple more hours in traffic. Gas is running low. <laughs> Aircon is not too, uh, is getting, it's getting weak. Oh. It's competing with the warmth outside. And I'm like, yeah, this is fine. It's okay. Yeah. This is just, um, short-term hardship for long-term, you know, um, for the long-term uh, benefit that I'll get hopefully when I arrive in Canada. So, yeah. yeah. And then take us through the mental like preparation, like obviously that whole thing, you know, you were kind of like in process mode in administrative mode, getting all of that done. Mm-hmm. And now that it's official, like take us through the whole uh, mental preparation you took you know, leading up to when you were about to fly home. Oh, fly home, fly to Canada, sorry. Home, hopefully now, yeah. But uh, in terms of mental health, I guess there were a lot of times when I didn't want to continue because of my fear of putting so much effort into something only to face rejection. Like that was my anxiety speaking. That was my anxiety taking over. Um, I, I thought that I couldn't bear a refusal after all that I went through. And sometimes like my head would play scenarios where I'd fail. Mm-hmm. And, um, another mental health, um, that uh, toggled with my mental health was knowing that I would leave the Philippines and that entails being away from my family and friends for a very, very long time. Um, I tried to repress my feelings of missing them too much. Like I was excited, like, Oh my God, I'm going like, um, but at the same time, I'm like, Oh, I haven't been this far from my mom or my siblings for such a long time time and I just can't imagine what it would be like like especially like moving in with another family who have different mannerisms and you know like things will change up and I had to mentally prepare myself for that so um yeah even at the airport like when my mom and dad were bidding me goodbye like there was a part of me that you know, I was just excited to get on the plane alone <laughs> and like, okay, I'm going to, it's a solo trip to Canada. Like this is my first time doing all of that, like traveling alone, traveling to North America or going to Canada and like studying there. So I was more excited for that. But then right when they said goodbye, that kind of like, that's when the feelings sunk in. I'm like, oh man, like all of like, um, I always spend all my holidays, all of the special occasions with them. So it, it, I was so worried, um, like what it would look like um, in Canada. And then just the feeling of like uh, the comfort that I felt being at home. It's like, uh, I know it's going to be different. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I miss having siblings to annoy, right? Like just barge in their room, grab their charger and like, <laughs> see you but um or like driving my mom to uh wherever she wants to go in the philippines like that was something that i was accustomed to and i was um i miss them like i I miss them a lot so yeah long story short i guess going through the process definitely affects you in a whole other way like there was excitement but on the other hand I was also anxious and worried and Mm -hmm. 
And this is something that um, I always tell everyone else that are planning to make this move in their life. You know, they go hand in hand. Like, uh, I think the first week I was crying because it's like, oh, man, this is not my element. Like, I don't belong here. Um, I feel like I feel so alone and um you know, like, and then at one on one hand, the next day it would be like, oh my God, there's a squirrel, or <laughs> like I'm outside and uh, it's snowing and I haven't experienced this feeling before, so it it it, it switches up and it's a normal um, process that anyone would have to go through, especially if they're making a big decision like moving to another country. Mm-hmm. And with that said, like once you got here, like what was different from what you expected? Like when you got here, that totally like shocked you other than like, oh, you came, it's fall, it's autumn season, it's so cold. Like mm-hmm. what kind of what was different from what you expected, you know, when you first came? Well, I guess like, okay, aside from the weather, I think the next one would be transit. Like, yeah. um, so I drove back in the Philippines, so uh, I had that convenience. And so when I found out that I had to take transit here, there was a bit of like, ah, <laughs> I don't know how to do this, or would it be okay? Will I be safe here? Or how would it look like? So uh, yeah, back home, I, and I'm saying this because back home, it's usually a pain to commute and sometimes and even drive there, like the traffic's insane. And whether it's waiting in line with other people to go on board or waiting for the car to move in traffic, there was always like, like, and this is in the Philippines, like a delay or an inconvenience to get from point A to point B. And then I kind of brought that thinking to Vancouver and like, I was like, had all my, my guard up, you know, I have to be alert, you know, and conscious all the time. And I did, you know, like when I went here, I was like, holy, it's like so different. I didn't feel any of that. Like I, um, there, the, it was convenient. The, most of the trains and buses arrive on time. Uh, people are respectful of each other's space. Like I was telling this to my friend the other day, like, I think when I got into the train and then someone pulled out their phone or was wearing headphones while listening to music, I was like, holy, it's pretty ballsy of you to yeah. do that in the train. And then I noticed everyone else doing it. So I'm like, oh, I'm the weird one. Like, I'm the one that I was so worried about. Like, Because my mom would tell me, like, keep your phone in your bag at all times. Don't ever bring it out when you're outside commuting. You know, someone's going to take that from you but you know that that wasn't the case at all in Vancouver um we gave way to those that needed the seat more than we did um people had their own kind of bubble where you know people respect each other's space like even like for example like around this time like Halloween I would see people like dressed up like to the to the nines or to uh, to going to a Halloween party or something on the bus or on the train and they're all they're wearing this funky costume or gear and like it's normal like it's people people don't look uh, don't uh, stare at you or look at you differently for expressing yourself so that's something that I noticed when I uh, was commuting here in. Um, Vancouver would you say like if you were to compare commuting as a woman in the Philippines 
in Manila versus commuting as a woman here. Can you share about kind of what that experience is? Like, do you feel like you were safer commuting in and around here in Vancouver? I was like, because um, I didn't, I, uh, I was safer in Vancouver as compared to the Philippines in terms of like, uh, for example, in the Philippines, I don't know, it's just, um, I guess most parents worry about it, that their daughter, especially if like you're a girl, I guess like, oh, don't dress um, up too nice or don't uh, act, don't look lost when you're commuting outside because that gives signals to predators out there to take advantage of the situation. Like that was always something that I, that was um, um, told, uh, that I was told to do before commuting. And sometimes they um, and and sometimes that would be the last resort. Like they would never let me commute. They would rather drop me off or I drive or if not take uh, a cab back home. Like not commute. Like um, that was the common notion back in the Philippines. But in in Vancouver, like um, like for example, if I wanted to wear a fashion statement, where I just felt like you know I wanted to dress. Uh, a certain way I can like I and I'm pretty much free to do that because um there's uh very little people that would um judge or like you know make comments or um yeah attention really yeah it's just like you do you here it's like yeah exactly you feel free to express yourself Mm -hmm. which brings me I guess to the next point which is like the people um people here are very polite <laughs> like i they say thank you every time that's what i notice like every, every time they get off the bus they say thank you and then if they apologize to you if they accidentally bumped you in transit you know and I, when even when i was lost there was a, there was actually a time where i felt lost and i was figuring my way out around the metro and then i guess um, my face like uh, spelled out she's lost give her directions <laughs> someone actually approached me and she's like are, are you uh, is there a, a station that you're looking to get to or and then they just helped me so wow. I was like oh wow like, I felt like if I did that <laughs> in the Philippines not that I'm dissing my home country I, I, I it is safe on, on on some occasions but it's it's just something that's um common to happen like if i were to look lost like um there will be helpful people but um, some of times it's the opposite Mm -hmm. i'd say yeah and i yes sorry i interrupted no no worries um so with that said like you obviously like let's say i'm just going to loop back to the whole journey and process and you know you've shared some of the um different you know expectations when you got here some of the surprises so going back a bit to when you did arrive here and um you know kind of adjusting uh take us through the next step of you know going to school here and then actually navigating your way through the the educational you know system like it must have been a huge change from what you know and then uh up until you know finishing your program and then getting a job like can you share a bit about that 
Yeah. So um, in terms of the education system, like I, I do have like people asking me about uh, how's how's the load like, like studying that up, up, studying in Canada in general, and I would tell them that um, I guess I don't know I I my my engineering program would happen like at 7.30 a.m. all the way to 9 p.m. in the evening. And then my classes in, in at BCIT would only uh, be from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. every day. Mm-hmm. And then, but like it would be three hour subject, uh, uh, three hours per uh, subject every day. And um, in terms of the load, so in terms of timing, I felt like I was freer. Like, I don't know, I felt more chill with um, like studying in Canada, I guess. But in terms of the workload, though, it um, it was pretty hectic. Like every day there was something that we always had to deliver. Or maybe it was because in part it was because of my program because it was graphic design and we always had to, we always had like in-class um, um, group projects or group works, or like we always had to design something in class after learning a concept. And so in, in a way, the the workload was heavier as compared to um, my schooling in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, uh, the the good thing about BCIT was it's application based, and so I guess like learning stuck with me longer. Like I remember more of my graphic design, graphic design concepts and applications than I do of my engineering uh, back in the Philippines, and I took that for five years, right? Mm-hmm. Just because like I BCIT really walks you through. Like it's not just conceptual. It's like or like it's not like theoretical it's more like okay we're, we're going to we're going to show you how exactly to how to make that form or how to create that design so um yeah there were projects every week i think we'd always have to present uh something every week um and this is per subject too um there i think um in Canada, they're a more flexible or at negotiating. Like, like we were able to negotiate uh, pushing back some of the projects, or, or like, um, yeah, it was easy to talk to our to our teachers too because they were very understanding, and they knew that it 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 is heavy because most of uh, my classmates too would work like part-time or work full-time and then attend class. So there was a a lot of understanding. Unlike the Philippines, I think it's more linear where you have to study first and then you work. Mm -hmm. In Canada, it was more like you have full-time work. Well, you need to support yourself. And um, okay, that's understandable. We can work around your your schedule too to to accommodate the most uh, or or everyone in class. Did you work while you were going to school? I did. So the first three months I spent just figuring out if I can. So I focused mostly on my studies. Um, the first like term was more like hand-drawn um, uh, projects. And so I really had to dedicate my time um, 
to that to the course but once i got a feel that once we were shifting to like um digital design and there was more um it it, i kind of gauged that i felt more free tackling it so that's when i started looking for part-time jobs but i wanted my part-time job to still be kind of a no-brainer yeah so that uh, all that brain power would be focused on school still Mm -hmm. so yeah that's when I took up like a minimum wage job and then um at the end of my shift I would just go to school Mm -hmm. yeah well so like what um I guess what was your thought process in applying like this would technically be your first like job in Canada ever even if part-time like did you just research a lot did you just think of like what's closer to the proximity or what was flexible to your school schedule like what was your thought process in pursuing a part-time job while studying uh so um so first was the um the schedule of course I had to take um uh part of the schedule because the beauty about my program at BCIT was that it was at 6 to 9 p.m so it was in the evening so that had that gave me like the whole morning to afternoon to really folk to work part-time if ever but like as an international student you're only allowed to work 20 hours per week in Canada so that's about like five hours or four hours per week mm-hmm. right so that way like I um I mean finding jobs were, were easy because they're mostly from morning to afternoon the second the, the second thing I considered was proximity so of course I wanted to be I wanted it to be near either where I lived or near where I study and so um the, the 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 job that I got was near where I lived. It was like um basically just one bus ride away, and nice. a ten minute bus drive. And in terms of the process of applying to that part time job, um I did it really like old school. I didn't know like I didn't know back then when I applied. I didn't know that there was like Indeed or Glassdoor or LinkedIn. So I, I I I printed out my resume. Like I made like ten copies. And then we used to live near Main Street. So I walked that whole street and then any store that I imagined myself working at, I would just drop in, talk to the manager and then hand them my resume and tell them that yeah, I'm interested if if you're looking for like if I they usually have a sign to at at the front of their store, like looking to hire for something. And so if it felt it, uh, if I felt that I was qualified to do it, like I would go in and talk to the manager. And then, yeah, of the 10 applications that I, um, gave, like I really, literally, I just walked down the street and I'm like, okay, I like this. Um, I like this shop cause it's kind of like hipster and I kind of, it kind of resonates with my personality. So I'm going to go in and um, talk to the manager. So yeah. Um, yeah, I most of them didn't get back to me. There was one, and then to me, like, um, I mean, I wanted to, like, my main concern was um, getting into the workforce right away, just to assimilate myself in all aspects. Like, I can, I, I already know what the curriculum is like studying in Canada. Now I want to know how the work situation is, even if it was a minimum wage job. So. Like the first one, um, I guess the first one that got back was the f- 
the one I like, okay, I'm like, let's, let's do this. I want to start right away. Um, it was a, uh, I was a sales associate for a consignment store mm-hmm. along Maine. And um, yeah, it was like, they, they sell like secondhand items. And basically I had to be the person <laughs> selling it to the customers or like, you know, entertaining the the customers that come in to the shop every day so that was a bit of a challenge because uh number one i'm very introverted like i'm very awkward and like my mom knows this every time someone calls us on our landline i would panic i'm like mom, <laughs> get the phone like someone's calling i can't talk to the person and yeah like um yeah even like i or like if a friend of mine is calling me on my cell phone like can you can you like text me because i'm getting really anxious like can't you just text or just m- message me on instagram or something and then all of a sudden i'm doing sales you know like i have to be you know, I have to public facing yeah. Yeah. the customer service. Like, Hey, how's your day? How's it going? Have to like pick out like things about them that I can comment on and like overall just be very accommodating. So I'm just so blown away and just so impressed by you because you've literally pushed beyond your own boundaries and your own comfort zone many many times over i i had to it's so incredible because so many people would be like oh my god what is this i'm so scared no and i i do agree with them there were times where i were like like going to work and I'm like I have to have this like happy voice you know even if I'm groggy or like I'm I feel sleepy or like I'm tired because I know that I'll be studying right after and but then you know I have to kind of every day it was kind of like well if we get through this one thing we'll let's just get through this one thing first and then we'll see how we feel and then until it it, until you know you you hit all the uh, the tasks that need to be filled out that day and then you realize like oh oh, i finished or it's done or i I made it i survived so yeah that's how i felt (laughs) and like you know just for me i'm just so intrigued like you know, you've been here over three years now, right? Yes, it's about uh, three years. So when did you feel like, okay, I, this is my place. Like, I'm settled. Like, um, this is, like, when did you, did you ever have an epiphany, a moment, an experience? Like, when did it kind of click into you that like, okay, this is my new home now? Oh, um, I guess it clicked to me. Actually, I get very anxious about um I, I was anxious throughout the process like because I knew that I was still a temporary resident in Canada so it for me every day felt like um like I, I still didn't belong I tried like uh, some days I would forget that and I would just kind of enjoy the process but most days it's like oh man will this be the last time I see science world will this be the last time that I um that I walk at English Bay or try these donuts or whatever. So it, it was so hard for me to really um, enjoy enjoy or like talk myself through that I'm going to be here. Sorry, how long was the work permit? Like how long was the study permit? The study permit was one year. And then right after I got like a post-grad work permit for another year. But then 
towards the like even during the time I had my study and work permit I was still like well you know this is just the beginning you know there wasn't any certainty yet and so I, I only really felt that I belonged here after I received my invitation to apply for PR which was like was it like five months ago so only five months ago did I feel like oh man now I can call this home like okay now I can kind of um you know and felt and feel more secure that you know I don't have to um move back um or like uh yeah, I, I didn't have that. It wouldn't be like the last time. Mm-hmm. Only then. It was like a really tough, uh, like a mental uh, struggle for me to to convince myself that I should be like um, already telling myself that this is home. You know that this is my place. I I needed I needed some sort of um, certainty. certainty. <laughs> it's always that. Like I feel like it, that was me when I was waiting for my my study permit like no I, I can't say it for sure that I'm actually going to Canada until I know that my visa has been approved even when I was waiting for my postgrad work permit like no like yes I'm in Canada and yes I'm working but I want to make sure that I'm working like you know without like looking over my shoulders and thinking like oh man what if it gets rejected I need I need like that 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 document that tells me yeah you're good you can you can work still. You're you're fine, and then all the way up to my PR. The PR was the hardest because um, that was uh, I was waiting for five months for that invitation to apply, mm-hmm. and in those five months were my darkest moments. Like I was still like, and then COVID happened around that time too. So that's like a double whammy. Mm-hmm. I felt like really like not in my best, um, not in the best uh, shape or um, like mentally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Just like the whole journey that you've taken. And then now you've taken your experiences and you've shared them on YouTube and like, Oh yes. Yeah. Cause like, I guess that's part of the reason I like, like, okay, it's COVID. I can't go outside. Like that was the whole point of me staying here as a visitor <laughs> on a visitor visa. It's like, okay, now I, at least I maybe in this time I can explore Canada. No, they like, COVID happened. Um, and uh, yeah, I was like, I was so frustrated with the immigration process. Like some of the things I kind of learned as I was just uh, going through the process. So I wasn't really like informed like I I didn't do like the complete research on the immigration process and once I was I found that out like I was like oh man I don't want other people to go through what I did just the roller coaster of emotions maybe there's a way for them to like know beforehand on like what to expect and like it's easy to read procedures online. Like you, they tell you the process, right? It's pretty straightforward. You, you submit documents, you fill out forms, you make sure they'll assess if you're qualified, and then you're you get to Canada. Like that's usually how it's explained online, procedurally. But like the 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 experience that I want to give to my YouTube uh, viewers is like, okay, yes, that is a procedure, but what was the real, the actual experience going through it? Like, 
how long did you, I really have to wait? Or how, how difficult was it to get all these documents or how, um, or, um, yeah, the, or what was the process really like, like for me going through it, like mentally too. So I try to share most of that experience and all the things that I made, um, all the things that I did right. And also all the mistakes that I did, especially the mistakes that I did to inform them that, hey, uh, so that you don't have a, draw, a setback or a drawback on your application. This is what happened to me. So I hope that you do not do that. So it's, a, it's like a bigger sister telling their younger sister to not follow their footsteps if they're being a, <laughs> if they're doing something like experimental about, <laughs> about like self-discovery or something. So. Yeah. And what you've done has been incredible. Like, of course, a lot of people look to you as a resource. And, you know, it's one thing to read something on paper, but it's one thing when somebody explains it to you. And you've done an incredible job kind of going through the process, explaining it, providing some insight that people wouldn't have thought about, right? So. Mm-hmm. That's really incredible. But yeah, you know, we're obviously glad that you're here after all of that experience and now getting into PR, a permanent residence, right? It's just so like uh, incredible how there's this new chapter of your life after going through all of that, you know, all of all of that. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Yeah. And, you know, when when it came to, you know, being here in Vancouver through the seasons changing and then through the years that you've spent here already, um, you know, what are some of your favorite places here in Vancouver? Like, what are your favorite spots to go to? Oh, man. Um, well, the first thing that comes to mind is like Falls Creek. Um, it's a by Science World. Um, yeah. I've yeah, it's my favorite, favorite place. Um, I take all my leisurely walks there, starting from Main Street Science World all, to, all the way to Granville Island or the other way around where it leads all the way up to English Bay. Mm-hmm. And like, um, yeah, it's, it's just the views there are like prime examples of how Vancouver really nailed mixing modernity and nature. Like you still have, you're still surrounded by the tall uh, skyscrapers or tall buildings, but you're also beside a, a body of water and these large parks where kids can play or dogs can run around. So mm-hmm. it's just a relaxing day to cap. Uh, it's just a relaxing uh, thing to do to cap the day off. And I feel so much better after getting some fresh air by Falls Creek. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the other place that I would say I also enjoy being at is downtown or the Robson Street area. Like it's um, like uh, Falls Creek gives me more of like the the calm. But when I'm at Robson Street or I'm in the smack in the center of downtown, that's when I feel like, oh, wow, <laughs> it's just so satisfying to roam around like all these big or giant stores like Aritzia, Lululemon, Arcteryx, um, Nordstrom, Indigo, all these like posh stores get me so excited. I mean, I... I like I just like looking at new stuff and whenever I feel like I'm walking along Robson Street it kind of inspires me to work hard and dream big it's just because the lifestyle there is very high priced and luxurious but yeah most of the time I just like seeing the shopping setting and I like seeing the lights 
at night especially by the Vancouver Art Gallery like that wide space and you can see all these tall buildings reflecting the night lights at from Granville Street and yeah it's like an exciting place to be in it's I've never been in that kind of setting like the Philippines has its own version of it probably Bonifacio High Street or like Makati but nothing comes close to the to that feeling that I get being at the downtown area. Like, wow. Magic, yeah. Kind of like being in New York, like like how people imagine themselves to be at when they're in your New York. I've never been to New York, but like the the idea of it's like, oh, especially during Christmas and everyone's kind of everything's kind of like amped up, you know, and, and li- alive. Like that's how I feel yeah. walking by Robson Street. Wow. Personally, for me, whenever um, I get to a mountain, whether it's Cyprus or Grouse, mm-hmm. and then at Vancouver, it just take or even going along Stanley Park, looking at the Vancouver skyline. Yeah. yeah. It just makes me feel like, wow, this place is gorgeous. Like, yeah. I get to live here. Like, this is amazing. Like, and you think that you would get um, tired of looking at the same view every day, but you don't. Like that's yeah. the beautiful thing about Vancouver. It's like I am. I would never get tired of this view. Like, mm-hmm. and it feels new every time too. Like when when I when we visit these type of places. Yeah, and there's there's still so many places to explore. This is, Vancouver's so huge. It, like it looks so different in different neighborhoods. So mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. There's just always so much to be surprised, like pleasantly surprised with, right? Exactly. So yeah, you know, we're, we've come to really at the end of the episode. We wanted to thank you so much for joining us uh, and sharing your experiences through the whole process, the whole journey of immigrating abroad. You know, I have to commend you again for being so incredibly brave and determined and persistent and just being bold and going out of your comfort zone to make this dream come true for you. Now, to end it off, you know, what for all the other aspiring millennials out there, I would like to say our generation of Filipino millennials, you know, we tend to be more adventurous, more open-minded, more, um, <laughs> in the sense where we, we, we know that anything is, um, uh, possible. What is your advice for, you know, somebody who's young, who's a Filipino millennial, maybe even based in Manila right now, or even in the Philippines, for those who are listening, what is your advice for them when it comes to pursuing this type of dream and this type of vision? Well, okay, I can, well, I guess my first advice would be, it's going to sound boring, but you have to calculate all your expenses prior to um, making an application to study or work in Canada. You have to be practical. And if you find yourself cutting corners to move here, it's probably not a good time to apply because like there will be unexpected costs when you arrive. And so you have to have that buffer to your budget for the unexpected. Um, um, for in terms of the application, I guess if you do decide to do an application yourself, make sure that it's honest, it's complete, and it's accurate, because um, misrep- misrepresentation has dire consequences that can ultimately affect your chances of coming to Canada. 
Um, but like, it's on a more positive note, like, I guess to those that um, are like me then, like I, I started this when I was 23 years old. Like I had no idea to what it would amount to uh, down the line. But looking back at it, I did notice that there was consistency. There was discipline. I don't think that I would made a, I would have made it this far if I didn't commit. So it's not it's it's not like a, a travel thing where like oh I'm gonna go to another country and I'm just gonna pack my bags and go. There's a lot of planning involved, and there are a lot of times where you you have to go through the boring parts in order to enjoy things. Now, like I really found myself like being detached from my friends for a bit when I was going through this process because that was um, part of consistency and being disciplined. And, you know, there were days where I really wanted to cry and complain about the whole process. But, you know, after multiple breakdowns, <laughs> I still convinced myself to follow through. So, yeah, I was crying while I was writing my letter of explanation uh, I went and filling out forms. I was jumpy, frustrated, impatient when I had to wait hours for a document. Um, basically I was annoyed at everything when I was inconvenienced. It happens, you know, yeah. I, I did it anyway. You know, the voice in your head must be louder than the external voices telling you that you can't do it. And there will be a lot of times where you would have to fight that voice and you have to like really tune into yours telling you that it is meant for you, that you can do it and you will. And I guess, um, Lastly, and more importantly, um, when it does get difficult, um, I know as, as cliche as this sounds, um, it's okay not to be okay. Like, like uh, at 23, it's too much to ask for someone to go 100 all the time. Even at any age, like it's, it's hard to ask someone to go 100 all the time. And um I knew that I can't always be strong. Otherwise, I'm also doing myself a disservice by repressing my bad feelings. Mm -hmm. When these times happen, and they would often time, uh, op they would often happen. I always value those times when I'm not in my best shape, and I, more importantly, I also value my time of rest. Um, heck, like even if it means doing mindless things, like sometimes when I'm so stressed about getting documents or filling up forms, I kind of just like stop and then I just like watch a YouTube or go to Instagram and then just like, okay, like I want to forget the problem. I want to de-stress. And then, to me, I find that very helpful because when I'm ready, you know, I can jump back and focus on the true goal. And I guess that's my advice for um, um, those that are starting their application to come to Canada. It's okay. Like it's as long as uh, you take the time for yourself and then you, 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 you jump back to become, uh, to being disciplined and consistent with your um, journey throughout this immigration process, um, you will find yourself just, you will like, you will wake up one day and like, holy, I'm in a new country. Like, how did this happen? So I guess that's the advice that I could give. Wonderful. And one day, 
some of you out there can also say, holy, it's so cold here now. <laughs> I know, yeah. Like, guys, bring a jacket here. Like, it's really, it's really cold. Like, <laughs> it got cold early now. It's cold. Um, I feel like it gets colder closer to November, at December. But now that it's, like, mid-October, it got cold so fast. So, <laughs> Holy, it was, like, six degrees the other day in, in October. So it's like that—that's something that, like, like I, I was shocked because it was so sunny outside, and so yeah. I thought, like, okay, I'm gonna wear like a light coat, like, and yeah, and then I found myself bundling up, wearing heat tech, and like three other layers of <laughs> maybe because I was so used to the summer weather, and then all of a sudden. I <laughs> bundle up, yeah. For sure. Now, lastly, we like to end every episode with something fun. Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted to ask you our fun trivia question is, if there is some sort of food here or snack or, um, yeah, just any dish that you uh, that you really enjoyed that you wish that you could bring back to the Philippines and show off to everybody – what would that be? Like, what food experience have you had here that you would bring to the Philippines that you would want to share to the Philippines? Oh, man. Um, I don't know why, but the first thing that came to mind was poutine. Yes. <laughs> like, because um, I had that experience myself and I'm like, why would they put gravy on French fries? And then I was like, like really resisting to try it. And then when I did, like, I ended up loving it. Because like it, it doesn't look like as like it's not as pleasing as it looks, you know. <laughs> it's not as appetizing as it looks. But I was so surprised that it was so good. I mean, it was it's so simple too. Like there's um, um, but the idea of it was just it baffled me. Like it was new to me. But when I tried it out, I loved it. So. Yeah probably poutine other than they already have tim hortons in the philippines so it, it's hot, like i don't it's not um worth introducing anymore since it's there so i guess the next would be the poutine i actually haven't tried a lot of um the food yet here but if i do have a chance i'd um explore more at least i have time now to explore more uh, food places here Girl, I'm going to take you. We're going to eat lots. <laughs> like, so far, it's been more of sushi here. Like, I, I noticed that there are a lot of sushi places here. Um, the one we went to was like sushi aboard. Oh, interesting. By, yeah, I think it was by Davey. I think it was Robson. Yeah, it was so good because it, it's like a bullet train. But it's not really Canadian. So I guess the poutine would be <laughs> the one I would eat. And for listeners out there, I know there's some of you that are based in the U.S. Poutine is this magical um, dish that originated from Quebec. Basically, it's fries, thick fries with cheese curds and gravy. It is just the most indulgent comfort food ever. Just hot gravy, cheese, and fries all together. Oh, yeah. so satisfying. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Yeah, you're so delicious, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Rachel, for joining us for this episode. We're so excited to have you. Please tell our listeners where they can find you, all your social media. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, so for those that are watching or listening, you can find me on my YouTube channel. Simply search RR Denzel. That's RR and then dance with an L. <laughs> and um, you can also look me up on my social, uh, on my Instagram and TikTok. So yeah, I made a TikTok too. So about tips and memes here in Canada. It's also RR Denzel. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much again for joining us. We cannot wait to, um, you know, learn more about your experiences and social media. And yeah, thank you again for being a guest on Filipino Fridays podcast. And thank you, Rachel, for that very informative episode. You know, I've learned a lot. Some things I already knew. I, I told you I have an immigration background, but some of these things that she mentioned is something that not many people can do uh, on a first start off by saying she is very brave and i don't know if this is sexist but i would say this very manly what she did like coming coming that's like that's some real man stuff to do she made power moves exactly she was courageous doesn't have to be manly <laughs> I'm a, hey that's a that for me that, there's no other word because she Take came from, exactly she came from yep. another country to another with a culture shock right and the thing is, like you know, uh, I, I went through some dark times just moving in the same country, Montreal to Vancouver. I went through the same. I went through the same thing, but I, I only got a taste of it, and it's not the same. Uh, what what she's going through, what she went through, and what our parents went through. So I want to commend her and say she's doing wonderful work, informing all potential new immigrants to our country or any other country, because we would all benefit more Filipinos in the game. Exactly. And, you know, a lot of the things, if you guys check out her videos and her TikToks and um, even what she shares on Instagram, it's really, she aims to be data-driven and, and um, analytical and um, it's really facts first. So, you know, you're not getting some uh, weird or bad advice <laughs> from somebody who's immigrated here. It's somebody who also works um, in an immigration um, background, who also shares her personal um, experience, but also coupled that with um, some real facts to really help you um, not only understand the immigration process, but if you're listening and you would like to immigrate abroad to any other country, um, this would be a great resource for you. If you don't like to read websites or pamphlets or going to consulates or embassies and reading about their processes, she is a wonderful resource to look at if you potentially want to live and work in Canada. Well, yeah, if you want any tips on more immigration stuff from her, you can follow her on at R-R-D-A-N-C-E-L-R-R-Dancel on Instagram if you want to reach out to her and have a chat. And uh, yeah, hit her up. Yeah, if you have any questions, don't be shy. Well, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. Hope you learned a lot, just like we did. And catch us again next week on Filipino Friday's podcast. Don't forget to email us um, any comments, any feedback. Show some love. Email us at contact at filipinofridays.com. Again, like we said, don't forget to follow us on Insta. Hey, at Filipino Friday's podcast and that's it for our episode with rachel thank you for, for joining us on filipino friday's podcast i am your co-host oj archie archia let's get it